Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Hey, so glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Uh, We're excited for what God is doing in this place. We're excited for what God is doing in your life. Wherever you are, we're thankful for those of you who have joined us and for those of you who are with us online today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Today, we are excited to jump into the word of the Lord. Uh, You you know, for for somebody who uh, spends time in the word because of the particular task of preaching, there are certain parts of scripture that I think uh, all scripture is good. All, All the word is good. But I think there are certain parts of Scripture that God gave just for preachers. <laughs> I, I think there's certain parts of the Word that, that God put in there. He said, ooh, yeah, they're going to need this. They're going to want this. And this is one of them. Because I want you to know one thing. I never stand before you ever as somebody who says something who doesn't personally believe it. I, it the conviction has to come to me before I can bring it to you. So my prayer today is that that can happen. So let's jump right into the word today. We're going to be looking at Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. We're going to read the scripture. We'll pray uh, and then we'll spend some some more time in the word. Judges chapter 6 beginning in verse 11. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Ebiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress. To keep it from the Midianites. Verse 12 says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And verse 14 says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Bow your heads with me as we prepare to hear a word entitled, Five Ways to Awaken the Warrior Within. God. As we seek to abide with you, we open our hearts. Father, visit us in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was in my senior year in high school. And uh, you know the excitement of the senior year. You know, there's a lot of graduating happening right now in this season. And, and I know we got some graduates right now. Some graduates. I, I see you, Mikhail. I see you, Mikhail. Yeah, we got some other, other people graduating and promoting. Um, there's, there's an excitement about this season. And one of the, 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 the reasons of excitement for me was I was entering into the last part of my senior year. And that meant prom. And I was excited for prom. And let me tell you why I was excited for prom. I was excited for prom because I could drive to prom for the first time. I got to drive to prom for the first time. But let me tell you why it was so meaningful to me. It was so meaningful to me because I had a car. But my car engine literally blew up, okay? And my car engine blew up, and I was blessed by my brother. My brother, which is a different brother than I've, I've talked about in the past, my oldest brother one day asked me to come over to his house. He took me to his next-door neighbor's house. He said, hey, listen, I got something for you. He put keys in my hand, and he gave me a car. Now, it's, I don't know if you've ever felt the feeling of having keys put in your hand, 
before for something you didn't pay for. But it's extra special. And I still remember the vehicle. It wasn't the greatest, nicest vehicle. Ooh, but it had four wheels and it was fast. It was a 1987 Pontiac Grand Prix. It was red and shiny in all the right places. The window didn't roll down on the right side and the left side door didn't open up. But I was small enough at that time to hop through the window. So, hey. So, hey. It was good enough for me. And I was going to grip that boy to prom with no hesitation. I was excited. And then... Literally seven days before prom takes place, my alternator goes out in my brand new 1987 Grand Prix. I'm not too much of a technical guy, so I was out of luck. I was down. I was out. I was upset. And then the day before prom, my mom says, hey, so when you drive drive tomorrow, make sure that you're... I'm like, mom, come on, man. You know my car is broke. I'm not going to be driving to prom tomorrow. How am I going to get there? She said, no, when you drive, I just want you to make sure that you... I said, Mom, stop messing with me. And she goes, Rico, you're not going to drive your car. You're going to drive my car. And I said, the Audi A4? You got to remember, 2005, okay, this is hot. I saw the Audi A4 with the Bose surround sound and the sunroof? I get to take that, me and my date and my, and my best friend? Okay, okay, listen, this is this story I'm telling you because... Sometimes your blessings come at the top of a harvest, right? But even in that harvest season, sometimes the enemy will attack. Now, I had just gotten my brand new car. I was ready to go. Enemy attacked. No car. But my mom said, you can take my car. And sometimes in your harvest season, you feel like you got all the strength in the world to go forward. Until the enemy attacks then you realize that you can only go in the strength of the Lord. My mom said, you're not going to go in your car, you're going to go in mine. God said, you're not going to go in your strength. You're going to go in mine. I want to give you some context for what's happening with these Midianites because a lot of us will judge Gideon for for some of what we're going to talk about today. Even though we can relate to him, we'll find ourselves like, ooh, he's a punk. Ooh, he's lacking courage. We'll find ourselves in that kind of attitude if we don't completely understand and embrace the adversity that he's facing. So so I want to start with that. And I'm just going to read in your hearing the the, the struggles they're having with these Midianites, the kind of people that these Midianites are. So a a couple verses before in Judges chapter 6 verse 1, it says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. So they've been suffering with these people, the Israelites have. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. So the Midianites had the Israelites shook. They were hiding in caves. They were looking for shelter. They were trying not to even be seen by these people. Now listen, it says, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. This is some dirty people. This this, this, this is a dirty thing to do. So they're not even going to attack with weapons. They're not going to come in and try to take the people under siege. They're going to wait until harvest season for the Israelites. They're going to come in, eat up all their crops, destroy their harvest, leave their animals. And the scripture actually said it was so many, it was like locusts. So we're talking about a lot of people. So they were destroying the Israelites from the inside out without even touching them. 
they're just, they're just taking their resources. They're actually taking advantage of these people's harvest, okay? Verse 5 says, they came up with their livestock in their tents with like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian was so impoverished. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. We see here a people who is suffering. We see here a people who is under attack from a very strategic enemy. How many of you know that we have a strategic enemy? We see here a, 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 a group of people that waits until harvest season to attack. Now the word may come to you today in the midst of your harvest season. You finally paid off that loan. You, 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 your cancer finally went into remission. You, 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 you finally got your divorce documents back. Uh, you, you finally healed from that last relationship and feel like dating again. You're finally going back to school. You finally got the job. It's harvest season for you. I finally got a car so I get to go to prom. You may find this word in your harvest season. But the attack of the enemy may be soon in your future. The attack of the enemy that causes you to retreat, just like it did the Israelite people, into the caves and into the shelters, into the enclaves of the mountainsides. Where has fear stopped you in your footsteps? Where are you a hiding hero? See, the truth of the story, as we begin to unfold it, we will discover that Gideon is a hero. He's hiding right now, but Gideon is a hero that comes and leads one of the most powerful war endeavors that Scripture ever describes. One that only God could do. And you look back now, we have the privilege, in retrospective, seeing Gideon as a mighty man of valor. Gideon's name comes up in Hebrews, in, 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 the, in the Hall of Fame of Faith. He's one of the greats, one of the greatest judges ever in the book of Judges. But we see him in this moment hiding and shuddering in fear. Where are you a hiding hero? What we can learn about our adversity from what the Israelites are experiencing, I think is very interesting in this scripture. Because again, I'm talking today about five ways that you can discover the warrior within. And the first one is to begin with the battle within. Your first job is to begin with the battle within. You know you have the Midianites in your life when, when, you have, when, you, when your problems come out of the most unexpected places. Now, I say that because we may not realize at surface level of this scripture that the Midianites, the lineage of the Midianites actually ties back to Abraham. I don't know if we realize that. So these are, these are enemies of the Israelites, but these are also family. They're basically cousins. We know from Scripture that Sarah had Isaac, right? And we know that Hagar had Ishmael. But the Bible actually says in Genesis chapter 25 that there was a third wife, Keturah. And Keturah had six children, one of which was Midian, from which the Midianites came. Now, it's interesting because... I bet the Israelites in a million years would never, ever expect to have to fight their family. 
I bet you in a million years would have never had to expect that this man I'm walking down the aisle with today is going to be the same one I'm going to have to fight in court. Some of you may have held your baby in your arms for the first time and you never would have expected she'd be the same one to break your heart. Or that would be your very own brother, your very own mother, your own uncle, your very own cousin. Some of you are fighting the biggest battles in the places you least expect them. Some of you are, are, are fighting in your harvest field. Some of you in the place and season of your life that you're in would not expect to have to face some of the adversity that you are facing. But the enemy knows, the enemy knows that because God's hand is on you, he can't hold you. So what does he do? The enemy then will use what's closest to you to distract you because he can't disarm you from your destiny. I don't think you guys are hearing me today. The enemy has to use what's closest to you to distract you because he cannot upend you from your destiny. He, 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 cannot, he cannot hold you because God's hand is on you. For some of us, we have to begin with the battle within. Where in your home do you have a battle? Where in your childhood do you have some scars? Where do you need to go back and do some work? Sometimes you have to begin with the battle within. And it may be more for some of you than just, the, the, it may be deeper than just fighting with family. Because for some of you, you're fighting enemies who the family before you never defeated. Woo. Some of you are, are, are fighting so hard today because you're fighting the generational cycles from your past. It may not be with the family that you're living with today. It may not be with those in your close core circle today. But some of you are fighting the addiction that your father never faced. Some of you are dealing with the depression that your mother never addressed. Some of you are feeling like you're fighting so hard because God is using you to bless the generations that come after you. Begin with the battle within. Now, this should bring hope to some people because you're wondering, why am I fighting so hard? Why is this so difficult? Time after time, battle after battle, the next thing comes up, I make it over the next hill. The next thing comes up, I break the bone. The next thing comes up, I get kicked out. The next thing comes up, and I'm fighting. How hard you're fighting has to do with the harvest God has for you. God is doing something in your life that may not be just about you. The financial freedom that you're fighting for may not be for you. It may be for your family, for your children, and your children's children. Your calling will cause you to confront the curses that you were never meant to have in your life. That's what your calling will do. It'll, it, it'll cause you to look face to face with the things that you feel you had no control over, that you don't understand where this enemy is coming from. But family, what the enemy meant for evil God will use for good. What the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. Begin with the battle within. My second point is simply to be found in your fear. As a warrior who's in hiding, it's okay to be found in your fear. 
And we don't hear this a lot from the pulpit because it seems like I'm condoning fear or saying that it's okay for you to have fear in your life and that that fear is ravaging around you and that it's something you just have to accept. I'm not saying any of those things. What I'm saying is that the reality of a hero is that you will sometimes find yourself in hiding. And in that hiding, I want you to take a moment to recognize that you're hiding and to recognize that it's okay to be there. Gideon is a man marked by insecurity. He's a man marked by timidity and fear. He is a simple man who goes on later to describe himself as the least of his family. When God calls him and says, you're going to be the warrior to lead the Israelites, he says, God, you got, you got the wrong guy. I'm the least in my family. My family is the least in the tribe. And my tribe is the least of all the tribes. I'm the bottom of the barrel. God, I'm not the one. And what we find here in Scripture is that God will find you in your dark places. God will go after the one who seems like he's not the one. God will, God will pursue you in your moments of retreat because it's okay to be found in your fear. In the midst of this national crisis, God finds Gideon in verse 11, threshing wheat, hiding in a wine press. He's threshing wheat, hiding in a wine press. And let me talk about this for just a minute with you today because I want you to understand the action that's happening and the location in which it's taking place. The action that's happening is this thing called threshing wheat. So what they used to do in the old days was they would thresh wheat either by hand, which would typically happen for those who are peasants or very low, low, low income, which means they would literally separate the chaff from the wheat grain. And that would take, I mean, you got all those thousands and thousands of grains to do. So what they would do instead was they would take, it's something called the threshing floor. They would go in a high place in the city, geographically high place. They would find a flat location on the top of a hill. And then they would put all the wheat and the harvest on the floor in a circle. They would have an ox or a donkey strapped to a wooden board or something that had a heavy weight on it, and it would pull in the circle. And the natural process of the friction of the wooden board against the wheat on the ground would then separate the wheat and the tear. It would separate the valuable from the invaluable. Then what they would do is they would take the fork knife and they would throw it up. They would rake and throw it up and then the wind would naturally throw away what's not valuable. It would take the, the, the lightweight weeds, it would take the chaff which was lightweight, blow it away in the wind and the weighty, thick, valuable grain would fall to the ground. This was called threshing. It happened in a high place in the city. It happened on a flat land in a place that was exposed, in a place where the wind could blow. The threshing floor was never in the wine press. Gideon, our hero today, is hiding in a wine press. Now, similarly, a wine press was a, it took place in a particular part of the city. The wine press took place in the low, geographic, the topographically low portions of the city. 
There was a series of tunnels and holes and caves that would be dug into the ground, and they would smash the grapes with their feet. It would drain into a cistern, and then the fermentation process would begin. This was called the wine press. It was a location in the city. The wine press, not only is it in a low location in the city relative to the rest of the village, it is also in a dark, covered place. It's in a place that is typically cold, a place that is unexposed, a place that is protected. We find Gideon hiding in the wine press, threshing wheat. I also want to point out that his village is located in the valley of Jezeel. Now, the valley of Jezeel is a valley. So it's a low place. The valley of Jezil is littered because it's such a fertile ground, being that it's so low, is littered with oak trees. We see that our scripture opens up and, and it says that the angel of the Lord sat under the oak. The oak trees is where, the, if you've ever seen an oak tree, they're huge. They have long, giant, big branches that cover and cast shadows for shade for days. So we have our hidden hero hiding in a wine press. In a valley, in the lowest part of the land, in the wine press, which is the lowest part of the village, hidden under the shadow of the oak trees, his whole purpose was not to be found. Gideon's goal was to be undiscovered. Remember, he's hiding in fear. The scripture says that he is there threshing his wheat because he's afraid that the enemy will come and take the grain. Remember, the Midianites would come and destroy the crops, so people are starving during a famine. So Gideon, in his desire to provide for his family, decides he will thresh wheat in the low place, in a place where nobody would expect him to be threshing wheat, and he's doing it by hand. Imagine this. Consider our hero's condition. Consider the circumstances of his heart. He's in fear. Anytime he hears the rustling in the bushes, his heart rate increases. He's afraid of what the enemy can do. He's hiding, threshing wheat in a wine press. And I want to ask you today, family, how many of you are warriors stuck in a wine press? How many of you are in a place of fear, a place that's undisclosed, a place that's covered, a place where you're hiding away from God's calling over your life? You're hiding away from the challenges of, 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 of the world before you. You're hiding from where you feel you should be. Some of you are waiting warriors in a wine press. In verse 12, God himself appears to Gideon in these circumstances. And I want you to really consider what we're talking about. The scripture says the angel of the Lord. In the New Testament, we call this a theophany. A theophany is the opportunity that God will give people to experience him with his senses. So that he would make himself manifest in the form of an angel... This is pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, you have to understand. Jesus has not lived yet. Jesus is not on earth. But he is met by God himself, and he finds him in his wine press. And he has the opportunity to interact with him. God, the one of all creation, God the Almighty, finds this warrior, finds his man of God hiding in the wine press. He's the lowest of his family. He's hiding in the lowest of the places under the oak trees, Gideon wanted 
not to be seen. Where are you hiding from God? I'm asking you again. Where are you depressed? Where are you in a low place? Where are you hiding from your calling? Where does the enemy have you retreating? Where is your wine press? After doing everything he could to not be found, God still finds Gideon. And this should tell you something, family. This should tell you something about our God. What it tells you is that no crisis is powerful enough to place you outside the reach of the Lord. There is, ooh, listen, family, there is, there, is, there is no place too high that God can't reach. There is no place too dark that God can't shine on you. There is no place too low that God can't go. There is no mountain too high, no peak, no pinnacle that you can get away from him. God will find you. No matter how difficult your circumstances are, no matter how devastating your past is, no matter how jacked up you are from your childhood, Isaiah 59.1 says that his arm is not so short that he cannot save and that his ear is not so dull that he cannot hear. God will find you in your fear, family. You're in your wine press. Be in your wine press. Know that you're in it, but know that God is coming for you. And know that nothing can stop him from you. So Why? Are you hiding? Why are you hiding? We know why Gideon is hiding. Why are you hiding? Why are you worried about tomorrow when God said he has it in the palm of his hand? Why have you given up on yourself when God hasn't? Why do you talk to yourself like trash when God's built his blood for you like treasure? Why do you keep going back to that dark place? I think I know why. It could be, and most likely is because you're hurt. It's simple. You're beat down. You're bruised, you're battered, you're tattered, you're torn. Life has been rough. Life has shown you that you're not a warrior. Life has demonstrated to you that, 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 that you're not who God says you, you are. Life has shown you that, that the purpose that he's calling you to is not for you. Whoops, God, you made a mistake. You're hurt. I understand. I'm not here to make light of that today at all. You've been hit hard. The tribe of Manasseh is the tribe that Gideon comes from. Scripture actually indicates in other parts of Scripture that they were a tribe that was specifically targeted by the Midianites. Gideon was hurt. I know you're hurt. But guess what, family? The enemy only picks on people that he perceives have power in their potential. The enemy only picks on people that he perceives has power in their potential. So if the enemy's picking on you, 
that's a good indicator of where God is trying to take you in your life. If you needed a, a way or some indicator of hope for your future, let's start looking at our adversity. Let's start looking at the things against us because to the same amount or degree that a tree is high, the roots are low. To the same amount or degree that you struggle is the same amount or degree that God has a blessing for you through that struggle. I'm not going to get through all five of these points today, family. We're going we're, we're gonna, to, we're gonna, you can bring the keys out because I, 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 wanna, I want to sit a little bit with where Gideon is in this wine press. I don't want us so quickly just to move past this because I sense in my heart and sense in my spirit that there's not confusion for you about where your wine press is. You know as I'm speaking exactly what your wine press is, you just don't believe you can get out of it. You say, Gideon, yeah, he was visited by the angel of the Lord, but I'm not. There is no angel sitting outside my oak tree. There is no God waiting on the other side calling me out of my pit. You're not confused about your wine press. You don't believe that you can come out of it. And I want to suggest to you that the first step and the first part of what you have to do begins with you accepting your wine press. You know what it is, but you still hide it from people around you. You still haven't told your wife that you've gone back to that porn site. You still have not explained why you've returned to that bad habit. You still have not disclosed in moments of vulnerability within the boundaries and safety of your Christian fellowship and community that you're hurting. He's not just a warrior in a wine press. He's a hero in hiding. And it's the secret sins that thrive in the kingdom of the enemy. It is what goes unsaid and unspoken that has the power over you. Because the minute you say it, the minute you speak it, it loses its power. Because the word of the Lord says that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. But we sit in our wine press and we keep closed in our hearts in a cacophony of the things that hurt us the most. And we don't tell anybody. You're in your wine press. You know what it is. Family, we have to acknowledge that we're there. That acknowledgement requires more than just your own epiphany, more than just your own self-understanding, more than just your knowledge and understanding of what's going on in your life. You are in a wine press. It's okay to be found in fear. It's okay to be found in fear. I'm closing. As you're found in your fear, I want you to understand that that fear that is over you is not in you. That fear that is around you is not of you. If you can find in yourself a way to separate yourself from the fear, the thing that you're struggling with, and understand that it does not define who you are. It does not identify who you are. This wine press is where you are. It's not who you are. But too many of us are confusing who we are with where we come from. Y'all don't want to hear me today. Too many of us are saying, I'm from the lowest family. I'm from the lowest tribe. My dad had this issue. I'm going to have it too. You're confusing where you are with who you are. 
You're in the wine press. You are not the wine press. You're hiding, but you're a hero. You're in the wine press, but you're a warrior. God is calling you out of your wine press, but you're so confused about who you are, your own identity, that you refuse to believe that you can come out of that thing because you're confusing where you are with who you are. I'm from Saginaw, Michigan. It's where I was born. It's where I'm from. It's where I grew up. It's not who I am. The things that happen there that I'm not proud of are nothing for me to be ashamed of because that is not who I am. It's just a reflection of where I come from. How many of you are fighting the shame of the people who came before you? You're fighting the shame of your family. You're fighting the shame of the places that you've been. But that shame is not yours to fight. And how can God call Gideon out to battle a group of people when Gideon's too busy fighting fears that are not his? They were never intended for him. Release the shame. Release the guilt. Release that fear. Come out of the wine press because God has a battle. He's going to win through you. And I want you to remember, family, you are not just someone that God is bringing through something. You are someone that God wants to get something out of. You are a wine press. There's grapes in you that God wants to squeeze for the juice of it. You are the threshing floor. There is a grain in you that can feed the people around you, but God has to use the wind of the Holy Spirit to separate the valuable from the invaluable, the wheat from the tare, the grain from the chaff. This is who you are. You're a warrior stuck in a wine press like Gideon was, and that's okay. Because it's just where you are today. This week was Janet's birthday. Give it, give it up for Janet. Janet Sosa. Janet Sosa is our church secretary and our ministry assistant. She kind of like the Holy Spirit because she's everywhere at the same time. You don't see her right now because she's in the back running stuff, a little technical stuff. It was Janet's birthday, and she decided that she wanted to get a group of some of her friends together, and they did something I never heard of called a painting party. I don't know how I get caught up in this stuff. I don't know. I somehow ended up at a painting party. Um, and so this painting party, I'm talking mess about it because you're going to understand why. <laughs> and those of you who are here who are at that painting party, just leave me alone. I know, I know. So the painting party uh, it was this thing where they just had a long, long table out. They had music playing. And then there were different things that you could choose that you could paint. There were cups, there were plates, there were bowls. You could use little canvases. And they had a, a special type of paint that you can paint on a surface, like a ceramic surface. You, you bake it, and it becomes hard, and it won't come off. Some of you guys are like, duh, that ceramic paint. Listen, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how this stuff works. This is my first painting party. I go to it, and I'm sitting there, and, and, and I'm enjoying it at first because music, food, and where there's food, I'm, you know, I'm fun. Where there's food, I'm fun. I can join. Uh, but then we start <laughs> painting. They had to talk me into it, first of all, because I don't think I'm going to do all this. I don't like drawing. It hurts my hand. I just, I'm not like an artist like that. And I'm one of those people that's real picky about things that I produce. So if I don't feel like it's polished and it's really perfect, then I'll obsess over it. I didn't want to get into it. So I just watched everybody, and they kept trying to talk me into it. Like, why don't you do this? Why don't you? And then somebody said the magic words, and it worked. Somebody said, make something for your mom. Dang it. 
now I got to make something for my mom. Okay, my mom's birthday was March 30th. I didn't get to go home uh, to, 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 to be with her. Then Mother's Day happened. I didn't, I didn't go home. That's two strikes. I got one more strike and I'm out. Uh, you got to understand, my mom don't play. She liked the Audi A4, uh, uh, but, but she don't play about her, her boy. So I, 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 the good news is in a couple weeks from now, um, in June 11th, I'm going to head out uh, and I'm going to go visit my mom, my dad, and the rest of my family. My mom's the main one because, you know, mom. So uh, somebody said, you know, make something for your mom. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I guess I will make something for my mom. I make, make up for all the stuff I just missed. So I pick a little, you know, a little coffee mug, and I'm drawing this thing. And I, I decided to, to draw, uh, you know, a design I used to make for my mom when I was a kid. Anyway, I'm drawing, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, this is, is I'm miserable. <laughs> I said, I hate this. And I told her, I said, this is, my hand hurts, my back hurts, I'm crouched over. Listen, it's, I can't put the paint down because the paint's on my wrist. I got glue on my elbow. Where did the glue come from? I don't know. It was a mess. I am not enjoying this. I said, Janet, I hate this. Hey, listen to what she said. She said, that's okay, you can do both. I said, what do you mean? She said, it's okay. You can hate it and do it at the same time. And somebody was sitting there and they were like, wow, Janet, thanks for that. And I just sat there dumbfounded at the wisdom of that statement. You can do both. You can hate it and do it at the same time. Family, you can do both. You can be in your wine press and be a warrior at the same time. You can be in hiding and a hero at the same time. You can be a good man stuck in a bad habit. You can be a good woman devastated by depression. You can be a, a, a hero and hurting. You can be, you can be a, a fighter and afraid. You can be called and confused. You can be destined and disabled. Listen, you can be in your wine press today, but today is not tomorrow. You can be found in your fear. God does not call those that are equipped. He equips those he calls. And too many of you feel that you are disqualified by your environment. You're disqualified by your fear. But family, courage is not fearlessness. Courage is fighting afraid. Begin with the battle within. understand that you can be found in your fear and that's okay. We'll get to the other three points another day. But family, I want to encourage you today as you leave this place that you leave differently than the way you came in. Even if that's if something sparked in your mind to go back out and face something that has had you crippled by fear until today. God, we're grateful for the way you have spoken today through your word. We're grateful for this story. Oh God, we're, we're grateful for the issues that are on our hearts even here in this time, in this place, in the sobriety of the atmosphere. Father, I can feel your spirit moving. God, I pray that your spirit saturates, saturates the hearts and the atmospheres of, of the homes that exist here that are represented, those who are listening and visiting with us online, those who are listening to this, the podcast, or they're driving, they're in their kitchen cooking, or they're yelling at their kids. God, I pray that even now in this time, 
that you visit them in a special way. God, you are the God of the wine press. You are the God of the threshing hold. You are the God of the harvest field, God, and we praise you for it, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you for the hope we have in our tomorrow through your promises. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen and amen.